This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so excited about today because the woman sitting across from me is the definition of brilliant. Oh, you're sweet. It's just true. <laughs> and she is always the smartest person in the room and never feels the need to prove it to you. And that's the real definition of humility and brilliance combined. She's a cognitive neuroscientist and a true mental health expert, and her work's made a huge impact in my life. The last time she was on the show, you guys went crazy because of how detailed her messaging is and her content is. And so, Dr. Caroline Leaf, thank you for being here today. Oh, Ed, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'm very, I'm very, very flattered, very honored. Thank you. And I love talking to you. It's always just, you're an amazing interviewer. So thank you. you pull well, the best out of me. I, well, I love <laughs> listening to you. She also has a new book out that you can pre-order right now, depending on when you listen to it. But you, you can order it at any time. But How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess, A Guide to Building Resilience and Managing mental health. Wow, is that a timely book. So let's start with some foundational stuff first. What's the neurocycle? Just so we set the stage for everybody, kind of foundational part of your work right now. Absolutely. Well, it's based on 38 years of research, and I still do research, finding ways to help people to manage their mind to drive the neuroplasticity of their brain in the right direction Mm -hmm. so that they can then show up in life how they want to. That's probably the most simple explanation. So it's a system that helps you really get your mind where you want it to get your brain and body and your life where you want it. Does it help change their thoughts? It changes your thoughts completely. It basically helps you find the thoughts that are the things that are holding you back, intrusive thoughts that are actually your best friend because it helps you find the intrusive thoughts that are making you feel whatever in your life from the traumas to the day-to-day struggles and it helps you deconstruct and reconstruct them so that they don't influence your future in the wrong way. So you can decide how you want to use what you've gone through to help you in your future. Oh, my goodness. All right, this is going to go deep. Here we go, you guys. I'm going to give you the stuff I always wanted to ask you that I didn't get to ask you before. Perfect. What is a thought? Uh, that's one of my favorite questions. So, Ed, I've got some props here to show okay, us. Please, so I love your props. Yeah, you, I've got a green tree and a little toxic-looking tree. Yes. And these are basically great analogies for what a thought is. Okay. So, a thought is a cluster of information. It's a cluster of memories. And two types of memories. One are the source memories, like the roots of a plant, which starts the plant growing. And then the others are what you'd call interpretation memories, which we could say are the the branches of the of the roots. Okay. So what happens is when you, you when an experience begins, like for example, people listening to this conversation, as you introduce me, that's like a seed in the ground. And then oh. as I'm talking and we're conversing, that's inf- information that's coming at them and going into the root memories because it's the source of the conversation. Hmm. While we're having this conversation and giving information to the listeners and they're growing the roots, because it's a good, this is good information. So we'll hold up the green, the green tree. Okay. That is, they are then interpreting what I'm saying according to their own unique way of thinking and feeling and choosing how their mind works. Because that's all. This is all mind stuff, not brain stuff. This is mind stuff. Okay. And then the mind is then you, you basically your mind interprets what what you have heard in the root system into how you understand it. So the branches are branch memories or interpretation memories of what you've heard. Mm. So I'm saying stuff about mental health and thoughts and whatever. That's going into the root system but each person listening including yourself is interpreting this in their own way to under- to get their own understanding and it's having its own unique impact and then this will show up this information will show up in what they say and do and feel their life how they show up in their life mm. so thoughts are a real thing that mm. occupies mental real estate so i've got a model of a brain here okay so with our minds we are processing this information into the roots and whatever and but it's 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 basically 
gravitational fields and electromagnetic light waves and um, auditory sound waves and to all this gravitational field, all these fancy physics things that then are, which, and then there's this sort of psychological mixing of all that physical stuff which then goes into the brain. So the mind uses the brain. It, it needs a substrate within which to plant the experience, plant the tree. Wow. So it takes this, in, we, are we with our mind, put this into the brain, the brain then responds, and this is wired into the brain and that activates the different parts of the brain. So that's why we say it takes up, occupies mental real estate. When you look at the brain of somebody who's struggling with a mental health issue, which by the way, that's a pretty broad term. It is. Right, it's a really broad term. But you meet, you look at the brain of uh, someone who really struggles with depression, let's say. Are there parts of their brain that function differently? Is it a blood flow issue? Is it a is it a wiring over time of the neural connections in their brain where they've just wired this thought and then it's got coated with this myelin? Or what do their brains actually physically look differently when you when you observe them? So there's two parts to that answer. First of all, it's an excellent question. If the the first part of that answer is that your brain will change based on your experience. So okay. it's not about us, it's about us in the world. You cannot divorce a human from the experience that they have and what it does in the brain. Is it their experience, Dr. Leaf, or their their takeaway or belief or story they tell themselves All of it. about the So it's a combination, it's layers. Okay. So the experience happens, our conversation could be the experience. Mm -hmm. That's then processed by the mind, which is this field all around and through us. Okay. When you're dead, your mind's not working. So that's an easy way to understand mind because people say, what is mind? Mind is your pretty much your aliveness, your ability to process, experience, think, feel, choose. Can I ask this? There's no Perfect. specific location, definitive location to the mind then, correct? The it's, mind, it's from what we understand on a, on, mm -hmm. from thousands of years of sort of looking at it spiritually and then also 150 years of modern science, especially in the last few years, mind can be seen as a biofield. Okay. And it's got a very, uh, as a, and a biofield in terms of gravitational fields, quantum physics, linking in with space-time, oh. linking in with you know, all those complex concepts. And then it has, it, it needs, mind needs a substrate. It needs something physical. Okay. that it can actually connect with and then then you show up as, as you know the combination of mind and brain the physical substrate then show up as how you function okay. so I mean we're going to quite heavy science here so I'm trying to make it as simple as possible mm -hmm. so stop me at any point okay but I want to stop you at a point go, I want to ask you a question go for it. you are a person of faith also one of the reasons I love you is it's it's rare to meet someone who's so scientific that's also very faith based you, you truly are and I had someone on my show his, mate, his name is John Gordon he says uh he said to me, there is no uh, mind, there's just the soul. So you called it an electrical field. So I don't know that there's that big of a distinction between no, the two isn't. things. Would you, do you subscribe to that belief system that, that, that the soul has energy and so therefore the subconscious mind, or the mind rather, the mind, is this energy field that you're describing? Absolutely. So these, let's wow. look at it in different layers. Let's okay. think of what mind is and let's break down mind. Mind is an ancient term for the, for we could use it for spirit and soul. So think of mind spirit and soul as basically the same thing. Wow, okay. And then you can look at mind has different layers. Okay. You've got your conscious mind that's operating right now, we're mm. awake. Driving us, those are non-conscious, N-O-N, not unconscious. Unconscious is when you're asleep. It's a brain state versus a, versus a mind state. Okay. So uh, non-conscious is the most intelligent part of us. It's the- Non-conscious? N-O-N, Because yes. I was gonna ask you about yes. this. Yes, so okay. the non, so mind is three, mind is three levels, conscious, 
non-conscious. Non-conscious operates 24-7, super intelligent, never stops. It's on our side. It's the big thing. It's the biggest part of our humanity. Okay. A lot of people will think of that as being your spiritual level and okay. then your conscious being your soul level. If you want to sort of hook things with you know, these different ways of looking at it. Scientifically, I talk about the non-conscious and the conscious and then in between the subconscious, which is a bridge. Mm. And then unconscious, which is used very incorrectly most of the time, is just basically, as I said, when we sleep or knocked out or under anesthetic. So you've done something with the, the way that the brain's functioning when a person's alive to put them in an unconscious state. But the real stuff of life, all the experiences that you've ever had and been exposed to from a from a, whatever time, whatever we know, whether it's just sort of late in the womb to where we're at now, every single experience has been wired into the brain by your mind mm-hmm. and as a physical tree. So the mind has got these three levels, and the conscious, subconscious, and non-conscious are like, you can look at them from a psychological perspective mm-hmm. in that we are humans and we're thinking, feeling, communicating, understanding, all that, appreciating a rainbow, love, etc. All that's how our mind is experienced on a psychological Logical level, but behind the scenes, it's all gravitational fields, electromagnetic light waves, quantum energy, space-time energy, aromatic rings. I mean, I can go all the way down to yep. into Einstein's space-time dimension and all that stuff. And so, these we can really start explaining mind, and it's considered the hard question of science. And I never understand really why, mm. because it's the most obvious question of science. Mm. Because the fact that you and I can have this conversation and talk about these things is our mind in action. It's our minds working. Uh, our minds and working. When it's a really good one like this there's an energy connection there's that takes an en- place as well exactly there's an energy connection to tell you place. so I've, i do a lot of brain studying i've always you know the subconscious and unconscious mind the conscious mind i've never heard that non-conscious mind before and so it's one of the things in your book that like really fascinated me i want to get a little bit granular um because i asked you about those brains and yes and, and we need to answer part, that question still, yeah, the yeah. third part of the part of the book you say there's warning signals so when you look at a brain, is there an issue with someone that's got these mental health conditions? And what are warning signals? Okay, excellent question. So that kind of wraps up that question you asked yes. me. Does can you see a depressed brain? Okay, so first of all, our current biomedical model will say you depressed because your brain looks like that. Mm-hmm. That's back to front. You're not depressed because your brain made you depressed. Your brain can't make you do anything. Your brain can only respond to what your mind is doing. Mm-hmm. So the the first step is mind, okay. then brain, then body then how you show up in life. So that's the order. We've kind of got it back to front. And the science actually shows the order that I'm saying, mind, brain, body, how you show up, is actually what science is actually saying is the correct thing. Saying brain produces mind has been disproved. You can't do that because it's a simple um, thought experiment. If I had to take your brain out your head right now, which I promise I won't do, Ed, and hold it up. It's very small, but I'm sure it's very big. I need this. You've got a big brain. Here's Brainy. There we go. We've got (laughs) Brainy little. Um, If I was holding up a dead brain, a person's dead brain now, we could stare at it all day and do every kind of experiment under the sun. It will never produce mind. It will never produce a response to you and I. It will never produce thoughts. It's just basically already disintegrating. Hmm. So what is the difference between that and you and me? Hmm. It's our life force, whatever you want to call it, mind. So mind is a very all-encompassing concept that makes us human. So when you look at it like that, we go through things and things like trauma and think of a scale of one to ten with one, two, three being the day-to-day irritations like traffic in LA and then you've got your real big traumas of eight, nine and ten which are your abuses and bullying and war and, you know, the excessive 
things that are bad yeah. that happen to people, and then you've got the in-between. So if you look at that scale, those are experiences that we have, mm-hmm. and we are wiring those experiences into our brain as these trees all day long. So gotcha. the different levels. So if we have a traumatic experience, like let's say there's persistent childhood trauma, each time that happens, that experience is being wired in by the mind 95% non-consciously, 5% consciously into this roots, this tree form. Now notice I'm holding up the toxic tree. So the experience, all the data, all the memories, all the bits and pieces of the experience, each abusive event, each word that's spoken, each physical, whatever it is, is wired in here. Mm. This is the processing by the person into the interpretation, how they see themselves, how they're coping, the things they're saying about themselves, how they see people, how they see life, all of that's in here. Now that gets wired into the brain. As that's wiring into the brain, each experience adding more memories, more interpretation memories, and so it builds. As it's in the brain physically, the brain very fast then also stores, it creates a mind-brain connection, then creates a memory inside the body. So every cell of our body, and we have 37 to 100 trillion cells, also stores a version of this memory inside our DNA. So that's why we have mind-brain-body. The mind is embodied. So our brain responds, our body responds to life's experiences. Hmm. Okay, And I'll make a distinction between brain tumors and traumatic brain injuries and CTE and that kind of stuff in a moment. But so essentially a child who's having repeated, I'm just going to use that as an example. Repeated issues. This is getting, they're getting bigger and bigger. The immune system of the brain is designed to support and help us. And it sees a psychological event in the same way as it would see something like COVID virus, both protein structures. So this thought tree that builds in the brain isn't some fictional airy-fairy thing. That energy of the experience and the psychology of the experience all make protein tree-like structures. And the detail of the experience, each abuse is inside little proteins as vibrations and aromatic rings and all this fancy stuff, which then cluster together to make branches. And these are the dendrites. Um, This whole cluster we can actually talk about as being a dendrite, this whole tree thing. So in other words, the toxic abuse is as real as a COVID virus, just for argument's sake. People don't think of it like that. So thoughts are real, and that goes to your first question. So therefore, the brain then recognizes this. The immune system of the brain says, this is an invader, I need to do something. So it sends out immune factors, as like it would do with a a pathogen like COVID virus, and it creates inflammation. And the idea is that your body would read this and create a defense system and try and fight this. But... And if, if the COVID virus is inside, you can kind of do that and isolate mm. a biological component because that's it. But this is connected to the source. So if the source hasn't been disconnected, if the abuse is still continuing, or if a person, let's say the abuse has stopped, but the person's never dealt with this, this doesn't go away. So that then creates a hyperimmune response, and that increases the vulnerability of the brain and the body to disease Okay, so the, uh, I want to talk about solutions in a minute because you talk about brain preparation and um, some other things we'll talk about in a second. So there's the repeated, uh, if there's trauma, repeated trauma that mm-hmm. wires it deeper. Yeah. Is is the, because you're saying every, you said every experience is stored. Yes. So it's is widened. a higher emotional charge to an experience store it differently or it's easier to recall than a normal. So we're having an experience where I just open that door right now. That's an experience. You're saying that's stored somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be different than if I open that door and someone put a gun right to my Absolutely. face. Absolutely. Okay. So how's that different? So it's going to look like if you look at this tree over here, this is one size. So the more cha- the more um, traumatic the experience, the bigger, the uglier, the more distorted, the proteins fold differently, all the chemical imbalances wrong. The whole thing's chaotic. Okay. 
but it's real and alive. So obviously the bigger, you're quite right, the gun versus just a door opening. It's bigger. What it if creates, it's a good experience? Same thing, same storage? Which is, yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's exactly the same thing. And, and this is the, this is the, we want to detox, we want to deconstruct those, but we want to build these. Hmm. So we want to spend as much time, if you have a, like if I recall our conversation once we go from here and I think of my great conversation with you, yeah. I'm going to work on that. For three or four minutes, I'm going to think about that great conversation, how amazing ah. you are. And that is now building my resilience because I now grow something good. So I've been talking for a long time here on the show about the fact that I've been really working on my Spanish, and I just took a trip to Mexico the last few weeks. I went on a speaking tour down there with John Maxwell, and I got a chance to really see whether or not I've improved. I got to tell you, thanks to Babbel, my Spanish is pretty darn good. I was able to order in restaurants, communicate with people, even had a great time at a cigar lounge chopping it up with a bunch of people speaking Spanish, thanks to Babbel. And one of the reasons I love Babbel is you have to spend hundreds of dollars on some professional tutor. And their lessons are only 10 minutes long, crafted by about 200 different language experts. They're very easy to learn, and you're going to be making improvements right away. I really recommend you try Babbel. So here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash mylet. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash mylet. Spelled Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash mylet. Rules and restrictions may apply. Please visit babble.com for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So, you know, I get asked a lot, what are some of the common practices or behaviors of the successful people that have been on your show? I got to tell you, most of them have been to therapy. And they've told me therapy's made a big difference in their life. It's made a big difference in my life. And so whether you've got like a real traumatic thing you want to work through in your life that you've not resolved yet, or maybe just got an emotion you'd like to get rid of or improve, Maybe it's none of that. Maybe you just got kind of something you want to talk through, a problem you want to work through. If you've been considering doing therapy, I think you should take a look at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is done entirely online, and what I love about it is they match you with a licensed therapist. If you don't click with the therapist, you can switch at any given time to a therapist that meets your needs that you kind of click and vibe with. Take a moment and visit BetterHelp.com slash EdShow right now to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EdShow. Got it. So the emotional See? charge causes you to do the repetition that you would have got on the repeated trauma. So it's, it's the repetition of something that's giving it the... And an organized repetition, yes. Wow. So you And when you repeat, when you do that repetition, if you do it in that neurocycle, you then create a very stabilized change. So here I'm going to increase my resilience. Got it. And I can use that to fight these. So the more of these I have, the more I can deal with these. Because we've all got, some of us have got more of the eight, nines and tens and others, unfortunately, because of circumstances. But we've all got these. We've all got things sure. in our life. And we all will have, there'll be death and there'll be sickness and there'll be whatever. So, yeah, so talking about the, now the a brain, a person who's ex- suffering extreme depression, take the example of that child who's repeatedly abused and they've hit adolescence or even childhood at whatever level. And they're showing signs of withdrawal, of, of depression, of anxiety. Those aren't illnesses. Those are warning signals. Now, remember you asked me Those a few moments ago, okay. what are the warning signals? Yes. So what will happen is that our non-conscious mind will find these, push them through the subconscious to make you aware of them. The way to fix them is consciously and deliberately and intentionally face these because okay. the awareness of these will then weaken them. 
these toxic thoughts and finding the source you can then you can't change what's happened to you but you can change and put plant food on for want of it I tell the kids you can put plant food on here and, and make this healthy root this root healthy again so that this shrinks into just a little shriveled branch and you grow a nice healthy version over that okay so that's the process of we can't change our story but we can change how it plays out into the future okay. so swinging back to your first question yeah. completely but the question about the depression what does this look like in the brain well when we look in the brain we will see an impact of this experience so when we've got the hyper immune response and this weird looking thing with all these things going proteins folded incorrectly and so on that creates and it changes the energy in the brain and we see that in um, a disruption of alpha delta beta gamma theta all the different waves that you want to flow the easiest way to understand this is to think of the waves on the beach okay. they flow they build they crash on the beach they go back and they have different sizes but that's kind of how the the normal wave but when we have a tsunami things have gone wrong okay. you know so that's so it, this is creates a tsunami in the brain and that looks different for every person and a consistent and persistent tsunami of energy in the brain and consistent persistent hyperimmune response consistent chronic keeping of this thing over there eventually disrupts all systems in the brain and the body mm. and we start it affects the neurochemistry the blood flow the everything and eventually atrophy of cells etc so we're not looking at this as the cause we're looking at this as the impact okay. of life's experiences okay. and so and it's different for every person and as a person starts dealing with the stuff we can then see healing come back we can see the tsunami get under control the hyperimmune response the low, lowering of uh, inflammation in the body and all these things we see change okay. and that's what I've shown in my research we just actually published a paper just about five coming out this year and we just published one recently showing how with extreme trauma with with mind management with the neurocycle which is managing your mind which is finding these things through the signals and reconstruct you know, healing the roots reconstructing deconstructing you can improve your management of this issue change how it plays out into your future in nine week cycles you said that so, so you use like, uh 63 days you say in the yes book. so part of part of what i've done is to look at how long is it going to take me mm -hmm. to do this right to change and to to create a behavior change that will actually last in my life that I can still be sad and cry and be depressed and anxious but not to the point where it actually works for me where it's a normal reaction where I'm just grieving something in my past but it's not affecting my life functioning it's it's giving me a moment of honoring what I went through having that good reaction of you know the, the right balance of sort of being anxious and depressed about this but then not getting stuck then moving forward that is going to take you cycles of at least 63 to 66 days okay the more complex the trauma the more like the gun at your head and it's yep. single that's not going to go away in one cycle that's okay. going to probably take two or three or four cycles okay so let's talk about during those 63 days let's get let's do something practical so now we kind of understand what it looks like how it affects how it gets wired all that other stuff so let's be let's let's do strategic stuff now okay. for a second okay so um what is you you wrote this for how to help your child but when i'm reading the work i'm like this is helps humans Right. Yeah, that's what in it's general. for. Mm -hmm. But so what is something, a, a strategy, you said awareness of the thought helps it lose its power over you. I'm using my description of yeah. it, right? So I've always said that. Now I know why. Yes. Okay. What is something, a tactic or a strategy or a technique that somebody can use for their child or themselves that can help this in these 63 days that you would be proposing they do? Okay. So what you do is you do the five steps of the neurocycle because what I did was strategically look over the years at how can you actually find the signals and do this whole deconstruction reconstruction okay. thing so you can't do it in one shot so you what you want to do is do a neurocycle which is five steps what are they? and I'm gonna and and I'll go through this in a moment but you're okay. going to 
do five steps in the sequence. The first part of the sequence is the first more or less three weeks where you go through the five steps in around 45, 15 to 45 minutes, not more and not less. Okay. Then the second 42 days where you're stabilizing, you just do it in five minutes. So the five steps are basically gathering awareness. awareness. And notice I say gathering. Okay. So it's a very conscious and deliberate. It's not like a mindfulness awareness, which okay. this is beyond that. So when we talk about mindfulness, meditation, breathing, decompression, all of those are very important to prepare the brain. Okay. So what you would do before you dive into the neurocycle, and you'll see this in my books and in my app, I've got an app as well called the neurocycle. There's a two to three minute brain preparation, which is, could be anything from focusing on momentum mori to doing a 7-3-10 breathing exercise. So it's something to just get the neurophysiology under control. Then okay. you... Or it could be a, a, med a meditation, a prayer, whatever. Then you move into the actual work. And I'm about to slip off this chair. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> then you just... move into the work. I get so into this. Um, into the work of gather awareness, step one. So gathering awareness is a very specific process. Everything's very layered. Your mind-brain connection, psychoneurobiology, mind-brain-body. I'm actually a psychoneurobiologist to study that connection, is very ordered and sequenced and structured. And if you want something to change, you've got to follow the steps of the order. So the neurocycle is a system in that you can put CBT techniques, you can put prayer, you can put whatever works for you, but okay. put them in the right step. So when we gather awareness, we ha we are gathering, like gathering apples off a tree. We're not just randomly looking at things. You're very organized. Okay, what am I going to gather awareness of? My emotions. I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling frustrated, whatever. Just just label them. What am I what related to that emotion? What am I doing? What are my behaviors? What am I doing? What am I saying? How am I doing and saying them? So maybe it's depression and maybe it's withdrawal. Then the third thing is you're going to say, how do I feel in my body when I'm feeling depressed and withdrawing? Maybe cardiovascular issues heart palpitating and then fourth category is how am I looking at life in this moment as I feel depressed gut ache and withdrawing I feel that life sucks very simple example those are four signals mm. so you go step one is together those four step two is to ask why okay you're going a little deeper why am I feeling these emotions now you're not solving the whole problem don't try and solve it in one day just go as much as you can handle it's very draining so okay. that's why I say limit so it's why am I having these maybe I'm having this depression I seem to be having it because of um, it's happening a lot it's, mm -hmm. I'm not sure why but it's happening five times a day or it's feeling or it's happening once a week oh if it is once a week what are, am I having the same behaviors why am I getting that why am I doing that withdrawing how often am I withdrawing what other things am I doing why do I think I'm doing that so you work through each of those signals okay. and try and get some more don't stay too long on those two steps and then you write now you don't journal you write, you dump, you literally dump what you've gathered awareness of and what you have reflected on. Because okay. the, the first step was to gather awareness. The second okay. step was to do this reflection thing. Okay. And then you dump it down on and literally a mind. I'm just write it all over the page. Right. I've developed a system called the Metacog. Mm. And the, for kids, it's the bubble cog. And it's okay. basically writing in a way that looks like a tree. So it's starting from the middle and it's working around in circles and branches and colors and arrows and everything's connected. Okay. Everything's either on a line, in a bubble. If you don't like doing that, just write any old way. Okay. But try to write dimensionally. Don't do it in lines. Try really? and just put it all over the page because okay. it brings in, forces the two sides of the brain to work together. Okay creates a very strong connection between the conscious and the subconscious through the bridge of the subconscious. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, and it starts diving deep. I mean, it's like I can tell you now that when I work with patients that who had symptoms of schizophrenia, mm -hmm. the, this is an extreme example, but just to show you how all well this works, we would have them just basically metacog out what 
all these steps I'm going through and they would have one whole personality on this side and they'd be continuing the same conversation in another hall so you'd see the shift and then we could show them hey look what's going on and from there we could pa unpack and find roots and things like that so it's phenomenal in getting insight now you spoke about introspection earlier on introspection insight it means diving into the depths of the non-conscious that's the most intelligent part of so us so is writing part of step two or is that step, step three? three so writing is step three okay. sorry gather okay. awareness step one Reflect, step two, writing, step three. You're okay. bringing order out of chaos. You're getting, yeah. those three steps are taking you deeper, 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 getting, increasing your introspection, insight, pulling up things that are associated. Mm. Now that is things all over the page. A lot of it won't make sense. Things may shock you that come out. Day one, not really, but as you progress through the days, more and more will come up. And like for example, around day seven, people start saying, oh, I never saw this connection. Mm. Um, day 14, I, I like insight, uh, insight into, oh, that's associated with that. I didn't see that. This is why I'm doing this. Mm. So there's tremendous growth if you don't force it. You just go through the cycle. Do you think, I want to interrupt you, but I want to mm, ask go you, ahead. do you think during that awareness and the writing and that you are uncovering some of the things that may trigger you as well? Totally. So it's yeah. step four. Okay. Excellent question. Okay. Which Step four is what looking at what you've gathered, awareness reflected on and written. You look, what are my triggers? Okay. What are the patterns? This has happened, what can I do? So step four is moving towards reconceptualization, reconstruction, healing, putting food on the plant food on the roots to, to heal them. Okay. It's leading to that acceptance. You're not gonna know why someone raped a child, mm -hmm. why someone did this, that's their story. Mm -hmm. But that's your story, so you need to find out I'm not crazy, I don't have a broken brain, I'm not genetically flawed, I don't have a mental illness, I'm showing up like this because of what happened to me. I can't answer why. Mm. I have to get to a certain level of acceptance, but at least I know why. It's not yes. me, it's because of. Yes. And that helps you heal and move forward. So it's very progressive. It's not walking in circles round and around and around. Sure. You know, this is where you can bring in um, things like this or psychodynamic theory and ACT. Well, there's a lot of different therapy techniques that people can bring in um, experiences from EMD are and into all these because this these is a spaces. system yeah into these spaces what's the fifth step the fifth step is an action active reach so you're going to from the triggers and and things like that you want to move towards an antidote for today an action for today so what can i do today to keep me in a safe space i've done the work for today i'm not going to fall back into working on this anyway i've got to get going through the day mm. and also your brain and mind need a rest you're not they get tired so it's an action it's like a visualization a statement a combination a little prayer an affirmation a so this is where you would fit an affirmation or a cbt type technique like mm. maybe a little visualization exercise or a um, so it's something that you do and say maybe something as simple as I can do this I don't know how mm. and then visualize a rainbow I mean it could be something as simple as that to an actual little technique or it could be a breathing technique okay. so it's an action that keeps you going through the day which helps you focus on the fact that you are moving towards healing mm. so you're removing energy from this thing because this process has brought this from the non-conscious to the conscious and it's weakened these branches in the non-conscious it's strong and driving in the, when the non-conscious and conscious are working together, then this is weakened, the protein branches, the chemicals, so I can start restructuring and reorganizing. See, and what I'm, what I gotta steps. tell you what I'm thinking when you're doing this, because this applies to two different people, so everybody stay in here, okay? So those are the five steps to sort of begin to rewire yourself or change your brain. The other part of me listening to this is if you're um, thinking, I really don't have a lot of these issues of anxiety or worry or depression. I also think that's the formula to create a change. Like if I had a goal and ambition, I'd become aware of what I wanted, right? I'd, totally. I'd, I'd have all these reflections about it. I would then write about it. 
So, and I like the idea of it not being linear like a book, but actually all over the place. Mm -hmm. So there'd be like, that's almost like a dream personal vision board or dream mm -hmm. board that you're doing. Then I'd think about what were the triggers I need to create to generate this state? It could be snapping my fingers. It could be seeing something. It could be walking into my office. It could be getting into my car. It could be a particular person. So I'd use that trigger to then create that state. And then obviously the fifth would be what's an action that I can take towards this you step. Got it. So that that cycle can be used to uncover trauma, you know, reverse trauma, yeah. create brain health, but can also be a creative process in order to change your life. So you are brilliant because that's exactly where I started my research. Thirty eight mm -hmm. years ago with people with traumatic brain injuries and learning disabilities and people that just wanted to improve their life. They just right. wanted and it's called brain building. So it's the neurocycle and that was the first iteration of this thing no was to kidding. develop brain building. So it was helping kids learn. So getting data in as yeah. opposed to deconstructing sure. it was constructing sure. so it's taking from the knowledge in education you know, school to learn for an exam yes. or what is the goal in your vision so that's the brain building aspect of the neuroscience. this is huge right here I gotta it tell you something huge. because everyone always wants to create change they're like alright do I get a vision board out like do I so this is a five step process it actually does it to actually do it and Over to do it reinforcement and by yeah. the way in 63 days exactly. you're a different human being totally different Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Shopify. You know, when I started the show, the furthest thing from my mind was doing online business, and now I can't imagine my life without it. So I love Shopify because they're a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. So whether you're in the startup phase where you're just launching your online store, or you're at that really big business where you're like, hey, we just hit a million bucks in order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. They've helped me through every single stage. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. So whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered big time. They help turn browsers into buyers. They convert their checkouts 36% better than all the leading competitors. And I've used them for everything I do online. So every single thing you see that I market online, Shopify is somehow involved. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash mylet, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash mylet now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash mylet. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? Then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a full body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See eBay Motors. I do a thing. You're talking about visualization techniques. Let's just share this with you, and then maybe you can speak to why it might work. So everyone asks me, I don't visualize very well. Yes, you do. You just need to get quiet, and it's a muscle you build. You know, when you decide to start visualizing your life, it is difficult. But one thing I've done is I've created, I teach it to a lot of my athletes, is I use what I call like a highlight reel technique. So what I actually start with is I start, I've never said this on the show because it's part of my private work, but I, yeah. I want you to speak to it. I actually start by visualizing memories from my life 
that are highlights. So it could be, for example, you know, the birth of my son, the birth of my daughter, a home run I hit in baseball, an award I got, a sale that I closed that was important. These are things my brain are already familiar with, to, to your point earlier. Mm-hmm. It's already been wired. Mm-hmm. I've already repeated the emotion. It's already in there. And so I see those Brilliant. things, and those are easy for me to recall because they're familiar. Yeah. And then I move to what I want. So my brain, I think, begins to think they're one big highlight reel. Is there any data to prove that that's true? Meaning, I'm already visualizing what I've already, uh, something I want. I've seen an achievement, I've seen an achievement, and then I see the one that I want to achieve. And for me, my brain more easily sees the future when I start with things that I'm already familiar with in my past, because I think we do that in reverse. So if we've had a traumatic, someone's hurt us in our life, Mm -hmm. we see this, we repeat it over and over, and then we then regenerate it in our real life with the next relationship. And that's why people end up dating the same person over and over again in a different body. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, so I'm jumping out of my chair with with excitement because you've you've said exactly the correct thing. Okay. So what you've just described, remember I said a moment ago, I said, um, spoke about how I'll recall this conversation because it's a great conversation and I build them. Yes. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. So you are recalling these. You're recalling those and you're using those to unmask your natural resilience. Yes, that's See? exactly right. So I actually call these insurance policies. Okay. So they literally, so when I work with a person to actually be able to build their brain, we're building an insurance policy. So you, you should be spending time on doing exactly that. So as you do that, you activate a whole different way that your energy flows across the two sides of your brain. You go into the highest level of intelligence, you unmask resilience, you increase your wisdom, you tune into the depths of your non-conscious where intelligence pretty much your intelligence resides because right. your conscious is basically a workhorse and it's mm. guided by your non-conscious mm. so what we've got to see is what is dominant in the non-conscious now your non-conscious is a gentle is a, is a gentle lady gentleman um, and it's basically always looking for the things that are blocking this growing and keeping you stuck in those so it's on mm. your side mm. but you have to tune in to what's coming up. So mm-hmm. when you describe when you want to do something difficult, you first think of something good. Yeah. What you've done is you've listened to wisdom from your non-conscious, which is that process. Uh-huh. You've then called those up. You've activated your resilience. You've put yourself in a highly intelligent, wise state. Wow. Now you're in a state that's more able to cope with it. So when I work with a patient, for example, I would never start with that. Mm. I would say, okay, right. let's talk about, you know, your favorite moments or you'll tell me a story about tell me a great movie yes you know let's talk about a great book anything mm. and then we would focus on that when they were in that state i knew that i had got their mind brain connection their psycho neurobiology i like i feel like thinking about the things that have been positive in my life or experiences creates a neurochemistry to which i can create out that's of. exactly what you do right. yes you have so. you've changed all the flow you've these change what we they increase gamma which is which is a way that you want to flow. Okay. And, and when your eyes are open, you want like uh, this what we call low gamma across the whole brain. Okay. And, when, and then there's certain other patterns. I don't want to go into the details. Sure. And that's got to go into have a certain beta pattern and so on. Those energy waves, when they are flowing in that state, they activate the different parts of the brain to then be on high alert to respond and do okay. what they're designed to do, okay. which then impacts your neurochemistry, then your endocrine system, your cardio, everything then comes together and you are in this prime state. Your HPA axis is now on high alert and you now are in the ideal state for solution finding. This is so good. You guys, this is why I do the show right here. So let me just give you this again. Step one, gather awareness. Step two, reflect. Step three, write, play, draw. Step four, recheck. Step five, active reach, which is basically what we've been describing here. 
What about physical movement and brain health? And it's not in here, but I want to ask you, ask you about that. I find that my anxiety and depression and concern and worry or angst is often something physically I'm doing. I feel like I, mm-hmm. I, there's a physical nature to it. And I have found that when I change my physiology, I tend to feel like I've changed. Maybe maybe your physical body is your unconscious mind. I don't know. I'll let you answer this. But when my body begins to move in a certain way, I have found that to be a pathway out of some of the negative emotions that I'm feeling. And I'm wondering, even with children, is part of the mental health issues we're seeing that they're less and less active physically, meaning a lot more video gaming, right? A lot more stuff mm-hmm. on their phone, a lot mm-hmm. more stuff on their Mac or their iPad, whereas... When I was a kid, I'm sure mental health issues were very prevalent, but we were outside playing. We were playing football. We were running mm-hmm. around. We were running. We had, there was nothing to do inside, right? So we were mm-hmm. outdoors more. And I know that's not really part of what we're talking about here, but no, I'm just it is curious. Related. Is it related? No, it's totally related. And, and part of you'll see in, in, the, in my books, in my NeuroCycle app, where all these steps are, the NeuroCycle app, I literally walk you through the process. And in the children's book... Um, the active reaches I encourage that physical activity I encourage and you'll see throughout the actual five steps you can bring in the physical activity in different ways so basically your body your mind stores in three places mind which is all around you these gravitational fields and so on brain the trees but in the body Body. in the cells so therefore you that's why we have body memory that's why when you have recall something that you get your body responds as well so that body response is really important like um for example if if you're trying to get your children to talk after school and they don't want to talk and let them have a little rest but go for a walk start doing something and the action activates and releases so it's not that the non-conscious is is the body it's that the non-conscious is operating the body it's your driving system it's your it's mind driving so your non-conscious is the thing that's always using every part of you your mind brain and body are on your side they're all we have this intent this this psycho neurobiological link that is our superpower that literally when we understand how to read it we can move forward so you explained you said if you feel angst you can feel your body feeling it angst emotional warning signal your body feeling it, physical warning signal. Mm. You you probably not totally focused initially on your behaviors and your perspective. Then you move. As you move, you start unlocking and getting an idea of, okay, and that would be fall under the behavioral mm. signal as well. Then it starts unlocking the others, and you start getting into that space where you can work on on going through this process. And then you can fit movement in anywhere. The reason I feel so big about physical stuff and brain mental health is like, take your spouse for a second. You think about the moments of your life that you feel the most connected. Let's just be honest. A lot, some of it can be your sexual time with them. Why? What's happening? Something physical is happening between the two of you. Um, When I want to open up and like with my children or something like that, when I really want to get them to talk, you're so brilliant because I found, you know, putting them on the couch or sitting on their bed is okay. But if we take a walk it's brilliant it, we take a walk to your mm-hmm. point we're we're changing something there um you know uh, even laying on the couch with your spouse watching Netflix when they're actually touching each other and yes. laying on each other compared mm-hmm. to when you know they're on one side of the couch and you're on the other there's just it, there's a deeper connection when something physical is involved exactly the other part of it that you write about in the book that I've never really looked at before and you talk about this particularly with children so the book is written, you know, Dr. Lee's books have been for everybody. This one's more specifically guided towards children, but really everything parents in there. Parents for children. Right. So to parents help parents help their children. Yeah, yeah, parents and children. Right. But sleep. So if you have a child or yourself, because I know this is true with me, when I'm not sleeping, 
something's not so good with exactly. me typically, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me. I never thought about sleep when it came to my children. If they're not sleeping, that's probably an indicator of mm-hmm. something. So it's, it's we'll talk about signals. sleep and children and even how it relates to each of us individually. Absolutely. Well, what I've tried to do in this book is to try and find the things that are no hot button topics to try and help parents have a, and to teach the neurocycle in such a way that it's super simple. It's very practical, yeah. whatever. So I take areas like trauma, sleep, etc. And I'm glad you've mentioned the sleep because there's so much scariness around sleep too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a doctor, one of the first things they'll say about you, is your child sleeping? Are you sleeping? And they have to sleep or they're going to die. It's not quite that quite that extreme. But, yeah. you know, you, it's very fear-mongering. And yes, there is a valid point to sleep. Sleep is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many hours of sleep a person should sleep in a day, we don't actually know. Really? And also people have different patterns of sleep. So this mm-hmm. thing that your child must sleep eight hours a day is... Not necessarily so, yes, true. Yes, exactly. Okay. But if your child isn't sleeping and there is a persistent pattern of no, of, of bad sleep, there's something going on. That's definitely would be classified under your behavioral warning signals, mm-hmm. and it's worth investigating. And that's why I actually put sleep neurocycles into the book on things, there's different ones that you can do, because preparing yourself for sleep starts when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning, the first thing is as the chemistry starts to readjusting so that you can become conscious, at that moment to train yourself to just... How, what, what, what are my four signals? What am I feeling? Am I complaining? What am I feeling sad? Am I complaining? You know, quickly assess, do a quick assessment okay. of your four signals. So it's what are my emotions? What am I, what's my body doing? What are my behaviors in this moment? Like I know I'm lying in bed, but am I tense? Um, and what's my perspective? I don't want to do today. Hmm. If you can catch that, takes you, those four things can take you 10 seconds and can really already prepare you for a night's sleep mm-hmm. it sets you into it opens your mind that you can actually then face the day so that's one thing you can okay. do a, i've got a whole thing there that you can I do know. a sleep neurocycle for children as they wake up then if you see there's a pattern of children not sleeping it's to find a time during the day that's a good time either early evening when they've been to school they've had dinner they've played that's sort of a good time to kind of work around but you can you know find don't do this when they're exhausted and then you can do a whole neurocycle to try and work through what the cause could be when we don't sleep the main reason we don't sleep and a lot of people will maybe not agree with me here but the main reason we don't sleep is because we have unresolved issues that yes, we're scared for of sure agree. it changes your energy in your yes. brain and your brain all the things the melatonin and yes. all those things because there's so many cases and i actually give a case in the study in the book of a very you know quite a traumatic situation of a child who was abused physically and sexually from three months of age but just could not sleep through the night and they did everything all the sleep aids all the white noise everything you can possibly do and not that those don't work they are definitely going to facilitate and help but the core issue was the child's abuse and what the the impact of that although the child was out of that um, unsafe environment that you you had to deal with what was going on and that child was very young so once the the parent just happened to come across my stuff and do the neurocycle and the child saw like the to the parent doing it and started doing it and within four days this child was sleeping now this was an eight-year-old i didn't what they didn't use this book because this book wasn't out yet the child saw what the mom was doing saw the change in the mom Mm. because if the kids watch us and this was an eight-year-old and said i want to do what you're doing and so she adapted it as best she could and this child started sleeping within four days so the core issue there was a trauma that was unresolved and you said it yourself i know I do. If I've got something that I haven't dealt with or something's worried Same me here. or I have that phone call before bed that sits, that's it, my sleep's gone until can, I've dealt with it. Can I give you one with children that I think Absolutely. is unsaid? And I know you're such a person of faith, so I'm going to give you what helps me sleep. And it leads to this unresolved stuff. And I just want to say this to everybody. It's prayer. And let me say why. So prayer at night is a chance for me to take my burdens and 
put them on my higher power, in my case, Jesus, but whatever your faith is. Mm-hmm. And I know you're, you share my faith. And I wonder how many people are praying with their children at night because this is an opportunity for your children to probably open up. I think it's an opportunity for them to relieve themselves of their burdens. And I have found that when I have really deep, beautiful prayer, even if it's brief, that I sleep better at night because there's a perspective that I get that I'm protected. And I really wonder that. The second thing is, I wanna ask you about both these. So this is for adults, but it also affects our children. More and more our children are on their screens late at night. I know this is just a brain issue, so I'm not just necessarily trauma, but there's all this data about blue screen time and how it's difficult to sleep. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I know there's when you're doing homework, it's stressful. I think people let their children do their homework too late at night, and now that's a problem. Now it's a stressor. Now it's a trauma. Also, they're on their screen. And a lot of these schools put so much homework on their children. Mm-hmm. This is being real. Yeah, this is like the, a the real school thing. system's a problem. So mm-hmm. when your kids get home from school, wouldn't it be smarter to get them, A, to start doing their homework earlier so they're off of their screens and away from stressful stuff before sleep? Also true for you as an adult. And just prayer. I know it's not a major part of what's happening in here, but am I right that both of those things would probably make an impact on sleep and maybe then their mental health? Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you through pray, if you look at prayer in terms of any religion, Mm-hmm. or any philosophy or any belief, if people mm-hmm. don't even believe in anything, it can be seen as a way of just trying to organize yourself yes. and fi- and, and then believe that it's, um, it's not just me, there's something more. There's yes. this, and we know what's common to all mankind, and that's love. So, you know, mm-hmm. to talk to a child about loveness, so you could do a loveness neurocycle, you could call it a prayer neurocycle, whatever you want, but you can actually say, okay, well, let's look at what are, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And how, why do we think we feel that? And you can go through the five steps, and that's your prayer, and you can, your little active reach could maybe be in some, quote, a little scripture, it could be a visualization of something, whatever, a beautiful quote or something like that. So that is basically a form of prayer because you're tuning into an unconscious, which is your spirit, which is your wisdom, which is your, and you're teaching a child to do that. So yes, it is a form of unloading your burdens into either you believe it's Jesus, God, loveness, whatever. Sure. I love to talk about Godness and loveness because that's something that's relatable to anyone. Right. You know, and so you kind of step into that space and there's so much physics behind this too and quantum physics and science behind how you're collapsing the consciousness. And I mean, it's just, we could talk for another two hours about that. So yes, totally, I do believe that. And it'll set your brain waves to a point where your brain can start shifting into sleep mode, which will then have a neurochemical effect on the the melatonin and those kinds of things and controlling adrenaline. And so it will have, it has, what I've shown with my work is that when you use mind stuff and specifically the tool of the neurocycle, which is mind management. And as I said, you can put whatever you want in that. You are changing your psycho neurobiology. So you're changing cortisol levels, you're changing homocysteine levels, you're changing all the things that can keep you awake. You are getting them to the point where that you're dropping, changing, getting brain balance with the brain waves, that kind of stuff. So it's real. I mean, that's very, very real. Hey, guys, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. You know, in all of my businesses, and I've been blessed to have several of them, I've used Indeed now for a number of years. And the main reason I do it is, I, if you're like me, I don't want to waste a bunch of time interviewing people that aren't qualified for the positions that I have. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world, right? Or they are qualified, but they're not interested in making the move at the given time. And so with Indeed, you have a thing called Instant Match where they match you with quality candidates within 24 hours. And you're in front of people that want the job, that are qualified for it, and that you probably want to hire. I wouldn't go anywhere else. They've delivered great candidates to multiple businesses that I have right now. So here's what's great. Listeners and viewers of my show, you get a $75 sponsored job credit right now to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash 
Just go to Indeed.com slash MyLet, which is M-Y-L-E-T-T, right now. And you can support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That would be great, by the way. Indeed.com slash MyLet. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. I don't think I've done an interview in like 45 or 50 minutes with more stuff. We've done thought trees. We've done the neurocycle. We've done the non-conscious mind. We've done, you know, all of these different things here. We've done the highlight reel, which I kicked in here today. If, if... I was asking, I get to ask you one more question. Did you want me to ask this, answer the second part of the other question? Yes, yes, yes. What was the second part of the other question? second part of the other question was blue screen. Time. Oh, yes, okay. Yep. Me, bullying, social media, all that stuff, it's immersed us in mm-hmm. stimulation. So it's good, very good, and bad. It's All we need to do is teach our kids to manage it. Okay. That's the key. It's not going away. So it's not a bad thing if we know how to manage it. So it's just finding what works for you and your family. In terms of blue screens and all those things, there's a lot of science that supports and contradicts the concept. Listen, if a person's worked up, it doesn't matter what you do about blue screens, they're still going to stay awake. Mm. So sometimes people, if they're relaxed enough and they're watching their film or whatever before they go to sleep, it's, it's not going to be an issue. Okay. It's very much up to the individual. It's how we are managing it. It's what You've got to experiment with your child and with yourself and see what works for you. Okay. That's really important. So it's that bio-individual aspect. But just to bear in mind, if we don't manage the immersion that we live in before for example, very quick, kids would get bullied at school. That's not anything new. Bullying's been around since the, the beginning. The difference is it follows them home now. It's twenty-four. It's right. the immerse. It's an immersion versus an yeah. experience. An immersion experience versus an intermittent experience. Mm. And when you have that distinction, that's what. So we have to learn to manage the immersion. Okay. So I mean, I can go for hours about that alone. But well, that kind of. By gives the way, you I would a... love you to stay for hours. I would actually love that. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> you have somewhere to go. I can sit oh, here all day. I if know. You want. I could stay all day chatting you, to you as well. Let so me ask you, you one last no, question because I think people want to know this. I have a very good friend I've been thinking about the entire interview who has a child that's just really had chronic struggles with mental health issues over and over to the point where they've done cutting and it's gotten gotten really uh, severe and that child probably in my opinion should be more physically active I know they have prayer in their life the neurocycle could be a game changer for them so I can't wait for them to hear this I really really believe the neurocycle could be a game changer and to think that maybe in 63 to a certain amount of days if it's more traumatic you said a little bit longer yeah. that someone can create positive and or remove negative things yeah, in their life balance the two together mm-hmm. when is I guess the last question I would have for today is because it's worth asking when is it time for medication with somebody in their brain is that something that you know I'm you must believe in some cases if someone's you know schizophrenic that potentially they need medication or do you believe medication never when does someone okay, so take this a step is... and the risks of doing so okay so loaded question first of all you'll just to quickly refer to your friend's um, child who's self-harming what is the age just very quickly teenager teenager okay Same. so that, that what they need what we all need is to feel empowered and not to feel that there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And our current biomedical model will say that you've got a broken brain. And so that creates a sense of hopelessness. We also need to help our children develop psychological immunity. So not just immune system, like our immune system helps, uh, you know, we build our immune system. You build your muscles and resistance training. We've got to build our psychological immunity. Mm-hmm. And what we've taken from our children in a lot of our current models is that ability to say it's okay to be a mess. Let's work through this mess together. So a huge part of my work in the book that I've just released is about you as a parent knowing how to manage your own get your yeah. own and they then model help what they see, they model catch and model exactly mm-hmm. and then allowing a child a space no matter what they say to you no judgment no compassion but saying listen I see how you're showing up I validate I recognize let's work through this together here's a system that's scientific that yeah. we can work through together and the key Ed, is 
empowerment. You, you, you have to get a person empowered to change their relationship with themselves. And when that happens, that's when the growth comes. Okay. The cutting, the self-harm, whether whatever it is, alcohol addiction, whatever it may be, is coming from, yes, the traumas. You can go through all the, I bet you that child probably has had so much therapy that they can tell you why they're doing mm. it to a certain extent. Mm. But to get the change in a person's life, it starts with feeling, okay, I am empowered to do this. It's okay to be like this. It's not me. I'm responding to life circumstances. Here's a plan for me to be able to move forward and be empowered to actually rewire that my brain and my body do what my mind, what I, I know my wise mind wants it to do. So that's a simple answer to okay. that. Medication is a very complex answer, um, but I'm going to do the easiest, quickest version okay. upfront. I'm not telling anyone to stop their medication immediately because of the withdrawal. Let's make a quick distinction between drugs and medicine. Okay. Medicines are aimed to try and fix a problem like insulin for diabetes. Okay. We can we can test for diabetes. We can find that we, we know there's a biological cause and we've got a drug that's fairly specific to the problem. Okay. When it comes to a, a child cutting, which is a behavior, depression, mm. um, perspective of life sucks, battling, all the things that you describe with your friend's child, which is obviously this is very surface what mm. I'm saying, but that cluster of, of things, that is not a, um, a brain disease that's going to be fixed by a drug. That's not coming from something wrong in the brain and a chemical imbalance. They, this, it's, it's coming from some cluster of toxic issues and things that that child doesn't know how to process. Self-cutting, for example, is so much pain inside yourself that it's too much inside. So it's easier to, to transfer the pain to the cutting mm. so that that pain detracts from the internal pain. Mm. And that's an energy that's no energy is lost, it's only transferred, so it's transferred energy. So we must transfer a child's energy into being able to create safe spaces so that they can talk to us as parents, not just the therapist, but us as parents, caregivers, people that they trust, peers. Peers are fantastic for supporting, mm. um, and that will help them sort of transfer that energy. So a drug is something that like alcohol, um, cocaine, and psychotropics, they fall under the same category. They're not fixing anything. They're not and restoring. They are drugs. Okay. Okay. They are, and a drug is a psychoactive substance, so it changes the state of the brain versus a medicine is trying to fix something. Okay. So antidepressants aren't fixing a chemical imbalance. That's been disproved. It's a myth. Okay. The pillars of psychiatry that are used to say that you've got a chemical imbalance, etc. They're not doing that. What they're doing is they are providing temporary relief. So if someone is in, in such a bad state, so for example, someone's having very extreme um, delusions and hallucinations, yes. which is not a disease of schizophrenia, it's schizophrenia symptoms. symptoms. So instead of saying schizophrenia, bipolar, etc. as a label or a diagnosis, which is very unscientific and inaccurate and does this actually does harm research has shown to the person. It doesn't recognize the enormity of what they're going through. It's rather, let's say, they describe it as behaviors okay. because of something huge in their life. And let's look at this whole person. They don't need a disease label and a medication to validate what they're going through. It's valid enough for them to get the support they need. A label and a drug, put it in a little box and make it small, telling them the story, um, letting them talk, going through that process gives it the size that it needs, if that makes sense. Makes sense. So the drug, the way I would recommend drugs mm -hmm. is to see them as drugs, not medications. And if someone's in an extreme state, temporarily, like you don't, if you have a headache, you take an ibuprofen to relieve the symptoms, but you don't go on ibuprofen chronically. In other words, every day. Gotcha. That's how we should look at these things. Great so if answer. someone's in a, yeah, so if someone's in a really bad way. Medicine, and by the way, she also said in the very beginning that if you're on medication, she's not encouraging not you to withdraw. get off of it. You ha and if people yeah. do want to withdraw, I have, 
interview top scientists in the world that are drug withdrawal experts and they can go and listen to my podcast and okay. they can search through drug withdrawal and they'll have the top, top experts with all the resources to guide them okay. through that process. What a remarkable conversation. It just flew by. It did. It did fly by. You're brilliant. <laughs> you're, you're exactly how I introduced you. You're um, very kind. I think the neurocycle uh, it, uh, can change people's lives on undoing trauma, undoing negative thoughts, but also creating your life through the neurocycle. So, guys, I'd pour myself into that. You can get any of Dr. Leaf's books, but right now you got How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess, which, boy, do we need a guide to building resilience and managing mental health, which all of you and I need. And we have Brainy, which is a toy for the kids that we've created. There's a Brainy character throughout the book, Ed, and we've made toys as well. So it's really it something both the parent contact. and the child. Yep, the can, child can hold us up. And you're awesome. Time. You guys, <laughs> yeah. get the book, share the episode, change people's lives. It's that simple. We're the number one growing show on the planet because y'all share it every single week because I get brilliant people to sit across from me and we get the best from them in the hour we spend with them. Thank you. Thank you. You brilliant yourself. It was an incredible interview. You asked great <laughs> questions. Thank you. I just get to sit here and ask you stuff. It's easy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well. I love you. God bless you. Max out your life. This is The Ed Milet Show.